Welcome to The Edges of Lean. I'm Bella Engelbach, and in this podcast, we explore the human and creative side of lean thinking, unusual places where lean thinking is practiced. We meet people who are practicing continuous improvement in many different flavors and styles. So come along with me on a journey to the edges of lean. Episode 48, Continuous Improvement and Engaging Leadership with Rebecca Snelling. Rebecca Snelling is the owner of IRS Consulting, where she coaches people, teams, and organizations on leadership and lean transformation with an emphasis on advancing culture. She's active in the design and construction industry, speaking at various industry events across the U.S. and abroad. Rebecca also serves on the boards of directors for the Lean Construction Institute and the Center for Innovation in the Design and Construction Industry. Rebecca Snelling, welcome to the Edges of Lean. Thank you very much, Bella. I'm very excited to be here today. Well, it's really nice to have you. It's especially exciting to me because you've done some work in the construction business. And as my listeners may hear in the course of this podcast, there's some construction going on behind the house. So I'm hoping you can maybe shed some light on what's happening out there. But seriously, tell us about Rebecca and um, how did you get to do what you're doing today? You know, Bella, thanks. That's a, uh, I, I'm glad you said you were just kidding about the noise because I don't know that I would be able to identify much. But <laughs> uh, so I come from, I grew up, I was born and raised in Pennsylvania, the eastern part of Pennsylvania. And my first real job was working for a concrete swimming pool company. Um, when I started there, I had no idea that these were actually big companies. I always thought concrete swimming pools, like people build them out of the back of a pickup truck. My company actually had 15 offices around the country. We had $200 million of work every year. Um, And somewhere during my time there, probably in 2005, our CEO had hired some lean consultants to come work with us and help us become a lean organization. And in 2006, I was selected to come out of operations and be on their internal lean team where my job for an entire year was to travel with these consultants to our different, com- our different offices, learn about lean and learn how to coach other people in lean. So I got really deeply embedded in learning about lean and, and the, the way we did it, the way we started was really just reading books like the Toyota way and, and doing deeper dives on how that applied to the work that we did. Um, So I loved it. I felt my heart just felt at home and like that's what work should be about. And so after my year on our lean team, they put me back into, um, I would say they gave me a promotion and I had a national responsibility. And so it was great on the outside, but it was actually kind of boring. Um, So my friend who was on the lean team that year and I got together and we actually on the weekends, we had our families together, we had whiteboards and flip charts and we created a reorganization plan for the company's largest division based on one piece flow and keeping the customer with one set of voices through their entire process, taking out the silos. And we were really excited about it. We presented it to our two bosses Uh, the chief sales officer and the chief financial officer, they both said, we love this plan. Five years is too long for a plan. Take it down to three and present it to the CEO. 
And so, you know. Wow. We- so can, can I just stop you there? I mean, there's just so much wow in there, Rebecca, in that in that story. First of all, um, you know, there's, there's always this discussion going on about what is lean, right? And, you know, is it is it tools? Is it philosophy? Is it um, a way of managing people? And so it's very interesting to me that you started out right by saying that when you were learning lean, you weren't just learning lean, you were also learning coaching and you were learning to coach lean so i want to get back to this story of the reorg but tell tell us a little bit more about that you know that so that it's a great a great thing to highlight bella i appreciate that so the the two consultants that were working with us one was coming in every month or so the other one was there full time with our team and he coached us to become coaches so we might sit down with a i might sit down with a manager in one of our offices and and have a list of questions that I was, I was given by my coach to ask the manager to get him to start talking about. So I started leadership coaching without even really knowing, like they didn't tell me your leadership coaching and this is lean leadership and those kind of things. They just had me doing it, which worked out great. I mean, it, it, it embedded so much thinking into the back of my mind and, and connected it tightly to my heart. So what lean is, is all of those things that you just said, and you know that, right? And it's all of them woven together. And so oftentimes the piece that's missing is how humans interact with it, especially from a leadership level. Right. So it's, your, it's, it's about the people, right? It- Absolutely. Right, right. So, so okay. Flash forward. Thanks for answering that question. Flash forward. You, it's a weekend. You and your friend are taking your valuable weekend time to reorganize a major piece of the company. What gave you the confidence that you could that you could do that and take that to leadership? Um, so we we were basically both at a position where and where we recognized the organization was concerned to send this little internal lean consulting group, they were concerned to send it to the company's biggest division because that's where we made the most money, right? I mean, that's very typical, right? If it's not broken, don't fix it. Now it was broken, but you couldn't tell because we were making money. And my coworker and I both recognized that the journeys we were on with lean thinking and lean development, we either had to at least try to help the organization address the big sticky wicket or go find somewhere else where energy was more, you know, valued, where, where our focus was more um, impactful. So when we decided to present to our two bosses, we knew them well enough. I mean, our, our two bosses, if, if it had failed, they would have just patted us on the head and said, go back to what you're doing, you know, and, and my coworker, Kevin and I, we actually discussed if that was what they did what does that mean for us, right? If they just said, hey, thank you, no, thank you, we're not gonna change anything. What does that mean for us? And we had to really do some soul searching around that question. Um, and it, But we didn't really have anything to lose, right? We, we had our jobs. It's not like they were gonna fire us for coming to them with this great idea mm-hmm. uh, or a terrible idea, which we were willing to risk it being a terrible idea. Um, but we also knew status quo was not the answer. And we wanted to see our organization really take leaps and bounds in, in a better direction. Um, a company that was already doing really well for what it was, 
right? So, so that's what gave us the confidence. And we spent probably, I would say the greater time of four or five, six months of weekends and evenings. And it wasn't obviously every single weekend, but um, of working on this together. So when we did present it, our, our bosses said, hey, five years is a little too long. Cut it down to, I think it was two they had us cut it down to. And, they, and then we got in front of the CEO and we presented it to him. And now we had our bosses as allies in presenting the plan, right? And they were proud of us and really excited about it and, and all that. The CEO loved it, said, this is great. The only things I'm going to change, we're going to take it from a two-year plan. And this was in November. You guys are going to implement this by March of next year. Five months. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Over the winter time, right? When things I say, say with, the, with the Christmas holiday and... Of course, right? Yeah. And the staff that you had, like we had on the organizational chart, we had trainers and coaches and that was going to be, Kevin and I had thought that would be us, right? We'd be doing the coaching. And, um, and we had people in management positions and all of that that were mostly internal and some promotions and things like that. And uh, they said, but Rebecca, you're running the division and Kevin, you're her right-hand man. You've got this other position here. We'll take the other general manager and we'll move him to a very supportive role. We'll move him out of the whole physical area. And Rebecca, he's just there for you if you need him. And, uh, but you, the whole thing is yours. And we're not going to backfill those trainer positions. And I was, I think, just young and eager enough to think like, we can make that work. I can work really hard. We can get this done. <laughs> So but, that put you, but that put you in such a great position, though. First of all, like, wow, when does that happen? I mean, I mean, this is just a, such a, a great story. It would be, a, I mean, it would be a great story if it was a story, but it's true. So it's even better. But the thing that we always want, Rebecca, is we want the leader of a division, a department, a group or organization to be someone who's passionate about lean and who knows how to coach. I mean, that's the dream, right? So what the CEO did was he said, I've got this person right here. You be that person. Right. I mean, that was, I was, I think the CEO is brilliant. I, I, so I think that point of it is fantastic. The part that got missed is the workload, right? So oh, yeah. the coaching, we had four brand new managers that had never been, so they were first time people managers. So we had to do a lot of training and coaching around that. Um, and I actually was really thankful and, and very, I'd say fortunate that I wound up taking them to an external class um, for first-time managers, and I thought, well, I've never been to one of these classes, even though I've been a manager for a long time, so I'll go see what they're learning, and I'll learn it too, and I wound up meeting someone, at, the instructor wound up being a life coach for me, and hugely impactful on me multiple times through my life, so um, so we had, to, we had to help them learn new roles and responsibilities, learn new levels of leadership, and learn that the way we had been managing our work before had room to be improved. So it would, and at the same time, deal with all of the things that, that came to upper level management within that region or within that division. So, um, so we, we reorged it. It wound up working out great um, for a little while. 
And uh, what I will say is we eventually ran into some sticky wickets and, and uh, some things around customer satisfaction where we, we had a, a situation beyond our control it had to do with state permitting and things like that where we couldn't build in one of the states other than dig a hole. And if you're doing swimming pool construction, if you dig a hole, you want to get it filled in with concrete as soon as you can. And you want to get the customer swimming as soon as you can, right? I mean, um, the concrete part for the sake of a whole bunch of bad things happen if, if you leave it open too long without concrete in it. And then the swimming part, because people are paying for swimming, right? I mean, that's what they want. They don't want a hole in their backyard. And that's, there was that's the value proposition for the, for the customer is that exactly. jumping in the pool, right? Right. And, and there were some things that went down that um, I was basically asked, hey, you need to keep putting holes in people's backyards, even though we know we cannot get them swimming until next year. And it was, it was a really, it was a tough situation for any organization to be in. Um, and our CEO, wonderful man, was making a decision based on cash flow, based on money, not based on customer value. And for me, and I was at the point because of the, the extra workload, I was working 70 hours a week and wow. is waking up at three in the morning and coming back in and um, about things I'd forgotten to get done and things like that. And I just said, you know, I, I, clearly his perspective is cash flow is more important than customer satisfaction. And I, I don't think he was thinking about it that way, but for me, that's what it said, right? Um, so I, I moved on. And, uh, and I wound up then going and working for the consulting company that had trained and coached me over that year, a couple back in 2006. Uh, and that's when I stepped into the AEC industry. And I, I went from working on swimming pools that were 40 and $50,000 to the first project I landed on was actually a $7 billion program that had three full design build teams that were competing and cooperating to design the, um, the, the prototype for a hospital healthcare building that would be built all up and down the state of California. So I went from like, this is my perspective on the world in construction to holy moly, there's a lot more out there. The benefit of this, I never had any experience in traditional construction in the traditional big commercial construction. So I never felt the really, I never got used to how much opportunity there is for improvement. Like it never became part of me. And, to, and then when I started coaching in that world and becoming exposed to it, and then when I went to work four years later to be the national lead director at JDM Construction, um, that's when I started to really see how, how painful the industry can be in an unnecessary way. And it's a really difficult industry, isn't it? Because you're sure. dealing with so many people who are not employees, who all have their own schedules, um, they have their own ideas of what done looks like. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a really extraordinarily difficult industry. It is. So you've, you've got all of that when you're, when you're just building the project, but then you've got also the same number of people involved in designing the project more frequently now the people building it are a little bit more involved in the design thankfully 
Um, but then you've got people who are buying these projects who don't necessarily understand all of the pressures that they're putting on people. Um, there's really high suicide rates. I mean, it's, it's really, there, there's a, a big underbelly to the industry that's just not pleasant to talk about or to think about. And it, it's really, there's so much opportunity to make it a better people-focused industry, um, especially since they're the ones delivering all of our projects. Right, and the projects are for people as well. Exactly, right, exactly. So how did, how did you start then going, going into that world? What, what was the first thing you did? <laughs> well, the first thing I was like, oh my goodness. Now, thankfully, I, you know, I was wide-eyed and, and just shocked. And I was learning at such a rapid rate. Um, now, my manager at the consulting firm had me doing some of the same activities I had done at the pool company, like leading discussion groups through the Toyota Way and teaching Good 5Y and teaching quick and easy Kaizen is what we called them, um, small wins, right, that improvements that people can make in their own work. So I, I did things like that while I was learning the industry and the business. Um, and then I eventually wound up uh, developing training classes around those kind of materials um, and then getting brought on with other clients where I'd partner up with other coaches and learn about tools like the last planner system or how to help build teams in something that we call the integrated project delivery, which is where um, the owner who's buying the building and the architect and the contractor are all signed onto the same contract together. So they're sharing in the risk of the project together and sharing in the rewards of the project together, which for me coming out from outside of that specific industry, that seems like it just makes sense. These are all the people delivering. Why would you not have them together? But in the industry, that's very uncommon, right? It only started happening in the early 2000s. So... <laughs> So I wound up working with teams all over the country for the, the first, the four years that I consulted, largely helping with last planner system or integrated project delivery, and on occasion with some organizational transformation. Um, it, it, just little bits here and there where I'd get pulled in to help support something already going on. Uh, one of the things that's interesting in the construction industry is that so many perspectives out there are just that lean construction is something you do on the project, whether it's construction or design and construction, and rarely do organizations take those concepts or that thinking back into the organization itself. So, so yeah, so yeah, you think of lean, lean as being there's going to be a Kanban board in a trailer somewhere and people are going to come in and, and check that board in the morning and see what they're supposed to be doing. Um, but that, but what you're saying is, is they're not taking that or the thinking behind it or the, the, the respect for people and all of that back into the organizations that are bringing the services to the project. Generally, that's correct. Right. And so when I was actually hired at JDM Construction um, back in 2012, I had a bigger perspective on lean, right? For me, I, I had done a reorganization for my last company. Lean applied to an organization, and that was what my thinking was. And I remember when I finally recognized that the company had hired me for something different, I was like, oh, 
<laughs> so so what, what was that something different then? Well, sticky notes in job trailers, right? So the last oh my gosh uses a lot of sticky notes yeah. and it's not quite a Kanban boarded, but it, it uses a lot of sticky notes and it gets the, the people doing the work involved in the planning. It's a, 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 a technique, a system that really is dependent on the culture to, of, that, of the people in the system to be effective, but that was not widely understood in the industry at that time, and, and maybe even now is still just starting to come around. Um, but I had in my mind for the first, the first couple of months that we were going to do this whole big lean transformation and do all these wonderful things, and then I finally realized, no, they really think I'm here to put sticky notes on all of our job trailers. That's what they think, and I'm going to facilitate those. So we, we slowly got past that, but what I realized was my, my strategy had to shift because if I told them where I wanted to take them back when I started, they probably would have said, yeah, thanks. We'll go find someone else. That's, and, that's not what we want. We, we want, we want a bunch of folks standing around a board. That's what, exactly. that's really what, that's what we want. So. Exactly. So this is really interesting because what you're saying is that your your approach previously had really to start with the source, you know, start with, you know, reading the Toyota way, studying the Toyota way, which kind of takes you into understanding what's behind lean or what we think of as lean. It's not just the artifact it's not just the board or the sticky notes or the fact that you had a kaizen or, or somebody 5s something right it's the thinking it if you really read it and study it it's about really getting into the thinking right so now you're in an organization that has hired you you thought for the thinking and they want the artifact right. so so rebecca how did you impact that how did you how did you move that um, it was a lot of hard work, and I would say I had to do a constant reassess of my current condition, and the company was broken up into numerous different regions that all had their own leadership, and so really each region had a very different current condition, um, and I had to, and one of the, the presidents there, I, I borrowed this phrase from him, um, I had to figure out how to be patient and impatient at the same time and balance the two. Um, and there were some like that one in particular, wonderful. And he was, he was all about the thinking. He, he, he was one of those people who just naturally was that way. So he ate up anything I gave him to read, anything um, that we talked about. He was always looking for how he could get his people more involved, how he could bring more, um, improvement mindset to his organization, but that was one out of the four. So, so I, I spent a lot of time there, right? Water the green grass and then kind of let others see the things that he was doing. And then I had to balance, right? How hard do I push versus how much do I let them pull? Because if I just let them pull, which ultimately is where I wanted to be, um, if I just let them pull, I might be out of a job before too long, right? So, right, because because they, they wouldn't pull, they would. They would right. They, like, they, why change? Yeah. So over the nine years where I was there, the three of the four presidents changed over during that time. So there was always forward momentum somewhere in that 
area. In fact, the I think the last of those president transitions, when that gentleman had actually joined the company was shortly after I did. And one of the things that he said to me when I first met him on the phone was, uh, hey, Rebecca, help me understand. We did a lot of this lean stuff at my last company, but can you really do lean and have a real lean transformation if leadership's not actively engaged? And I said to him, I said, I would love to jump through the phone and hug you right now. And and then the second he became president, I made a point to remind him that he's... (laughs) He said that to me Um, and he became, and then we started having a lot of momentum in his region shortly after that. So, wow. Wow. So, you know, this is always the thing that people struggle with, whether they're an internal consultant or an external consultant, uh, you know, just somebody who's stumbled across lean and wants to make it happen in their organization. And they're not even in the consulting role is, is that thing. If, if leadership's not engaged, you can only go so far, right? You, you, ne- you can never create that. So that flip in the culture, um, if leadership doesn't have their own skin in the game because they want to. Right, right. So you had a couple of situations where where you were sort of, you you know, by being, particularly in this one, by being patient, impatiently impatient, that that came about. Do you have any thoughts about how do you move the folks? And I'll, you know, I I had this happen once with a with a company president say to me, this stuff's really great, but I'm not going to change my behavior. Yeah, just not going to do it. I am who I am. What what? Are your thoughts about about how you change that situation? Yeah. So so I was fortunate with those ones that were struggling come that because I I knew they had retirement timelines, right? So I knew as long as I was contributing and doing additional good work somewhere in the company, we could wait and be, you know, that that impatient piece was was okay. Um, what I would say from my perspective, I have never met a single person who has the same root reason for not wanting to change as another single person, right? They're, oh, okay. They're always got a slightly different perspective, a slightly different tact, a slightly different approach to it. So I think, first of all, you have to really understand why doesn't this person want to shift or do something different? And that might mean having a really hard conversation. Um, and you're not always necessarily empowered to do so. So that, that can be really tricky. Uh, but we ran into this in the field a lot too with our trades, trying to get our trade partners to, but to, to even plan with us and do things like that. Um, so I think really understanding where that person's coming from and honestly, not only showing what's in it for them, right? The old sales jargon of with them, right? What's in it for me? Um, but also the... Um, having some empathy for them. The, the, most of the people um, that are resistant to change, there's usually really hard history lessons that they've experienced that tell them the way they've been doing things or the way they're currently operating is the right way to do it. They might be getting bonused based on driving you know, driving the bottom line. They might be getting, there are all kinds of reasons. I, I have a dear friend who um, was a great example of this in an, another organization a while back, and he had risen through the company and been in the industry for 
30 years and he had this really great position and all these things, all this history is what defined him in success. And now you're asking him to look at things differently, but wait, you don't, you don't know what I've been through. How on earth could you tell me I have to do something different? I'm already successful. By the way, you're not right. So, or I'm more successful than you. So it's you, if you don't try to understand where they've been or what they've, what they're going through, it's really, really hard to then help convince them to do something differently. Right. And that's a great opportunity, isn't it? To just to listen to people. And most people love to tell their stories, right? And they'd love to, they love to particularly say, you know, here's, here's my lesson. I want to share my lesson with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what a, what a great opportunity to really get to know somebody. Yeah, and, and I would say at the end of the day, I have never met anybody who doesn't want to be a little bit better today than they were yesterday. Um, it, it's just a matter of helping them think about it a little bit differently. So now you have that leader engaged, Rebecca. What do you do with that engaged leader? What's the next thing you do? So what I what I, I'll tell you what I did that worked reasonably well. Is it perfect? By all means, no, I'm still learning. In fact, I'm working with leadership now and I'm still going through some of those same hurdles with some of my clients. Um, but what, what we did with that leadership is we, so when I say engaged, not only was, was he reaching out and learning things and, and applying things, but he took an active ownership role in helping his leadership team learn along with him. So he put himself in a vulnerable spot, said, I'll be a beginner with some of these things too, right? And I want you all who report to me to be a beginner and learn with me. Um, they have, they've, they've started doing internal little lean trainings that are just small little snippets on a, a cadence, a regular cadence, where him and his leadership team take responsibility for finding material and leading that material. Um, he shifted the kinds of questions he asked to project teams, right? And they become more about the culture, more about the, the, the processes that they're doing that are helping deliver better culture and better products. So it just, there are all these slight little nuances that all add up. And, and at the end of the day, people feel it when their leader is, kind of in the same heart and headspace as they are and when they're not. And, and they, you, you can pretend it's not there. Um, you, there's, and I also don't want to give the impression that if your leader doesn't buy in, that you should give up because there's always good things you can do, right? And, and um, there's always improvements you can make. You just can't get the same velocity as you could if your leadership is engaged. Does that yeah, yeah, no, I think that's, I think the, the thing that you said that, 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 I, that I thought was very, very key, and I'm not going to use the word key again, was that you, essentially you handed him the keys for training his team, right? Because it would have been very easy for him to say, Rebecca, you're really great at this stuff. You're a great trainer. You have the best materials. Come on in and train the team, right? But but you have, by you handing him the keys, allowing him to actually go on that journey of discovery, which is what so many of us have, 
have been through ourselves. You gave him, I think, something about about his own deep thinking that he wouldn't have had from sitting and listening to you or going through exercises that you designed and for him. I do, I do want to distinguish, though, that initially I led a lot of those conversations, right? Uh -huh. Came in and participated with his team. But we our, our goal was always to hand off some of those things. And in fact, that division is where we, that region is where we grew. You know, when I was hired, it was just me. And I went up um, by the time I left last fall, there were nine people under me and there have been 16 all in before, you know, total up. Um, and half of them were in that guy's region. Um, so they were working with the project teams, helping them with the tactical piece of it and helping them look big picture culturally and that kind of thing. But now their managers that were coming in to visit the project sites had a, a totally different perspective of their role on the project. Their role now is to support those teams, to help the teams, to remove constraints for the teams, to help the teams overcome challenges as opposed to come in and, you know, what typical traditional management. Yeah, figure out what they did wrong and then right. punish them for it. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And then the, and I will say too, the work that the lean group has done in that region over the time has continued to evolve as they've gotten people up and competent with certain tools, they've shifted to a lot more behavior focused things and a lot more experimentation and, and trying different tools and how they could apply them into the construction world and that kind of thing, which is, you know, industries learning from each other is not always um, something that you see. And, and it's a oh, yeah. little area where, where they are, they're doing a ton of, of great experimentation, learning and improving together. So what are you doing now? So I am, uh, I am I'm back in the consulting role now. I am uh, essentially doing a lot of leadership coaching, doing like leadership 360 um, assessments and then one-on-one -on -one coaching, but also working with organizations to help them evolve their culture together um, as an organization. And it's, it's rooted in lean thinking. Um, Sometimes I articulate it that way and other times I don't, depending on the ears that my client has. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm helping some teams with, with building a high-performing team within um, the design and construction world too, because the, the more focus you can put on a team being effective together, the better their outcomes are. But the way I boil it down is <laughs> I'm just working with good people, helping them solve problems, helping them develop capabilities and learning together with them. So, so I'm not necessarily saying that you're here to deploy lean with this, this group or that group. Right, right. In fact, the, one of the organizations that, that brought me in to help with their, their lean plan, we kind of, I spent some time with the C-suite and, and some other executive leaders and defined what lean meant to them and said, you know, I don't, we can take all of the things that you're looking to accomplish and embed the learning and the culture and the and tie it right into the vision that you have for the organization because the vision they had is so strong. It doesn't, it has a little bit of the word lean in it, but it's so consistent with lean thinking and lean culture and lean everything. They didn't need to, to muddy the waters, right? Now a different organization might need to, um, but it, I think it goes back for me to like Toyota. If you ask them if they're lean, that, that's not their word. Right? It's, no, no, no. They, no, they say they follow the Toyota way, right? right. 
Exactly. Which is which evolves, um, right. and uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, if you're looking over and say, "Well, I've got to be exactly like them," you can never be exactly like them because you're actually not in the same business as that they are. Yeah. Well, and even within within the construction world, no construction company can be exactly like another one, and and it's you know the same thing as as any industry where everyone just would like a checklist of what can I go implement, and and then I'm good to go, and that that's not what Lean is about. No, not at all. So when you when you're working with organizations who are, you know, want to be better, but you don't want to necessarily, you know, take them down the path that you used to go down of sitting down and, and reading the Toyota way and, and all of that. Where do you start with them? How do what is that what is it a, a learning conversation first on your part or yeah, I think some of it is first understanding what they've done to date, right? And because typically I'm not someone's first entry point into this and, and what's yeah. worked well and what hasn't worked well. And then understanding what they really are trying to achieve and then trying to, to kind of, you know, going back to kata thinking, right? If I don't understand my current condition, as well as I understand the target condition or the vision, it's gonna be really hard to get there because it, so it, it, it's a learning process for me as well as it is for them. Um, one of the things that I, I do quite often is find either short articles or short videos that I'll say, watch this. Now let's have a deeper conversation as a larger group of what this could mean. Um, some baseline training just to bring everybody up to speed. Uh, it, but the more I can do to help them discover where they want to go, the more effective it'll be, I'll be in helping them get there, right? If I tell them where they want to go, it's easy to throw it out at the end of the day, right? If right, I, that, right. You could say that was Rebecca's stuff when, you know, we're right. done with that program now. Let's, you know, what's the next program? That's what makes it flavor of the month, right? You have to, you have to figure out how to embed it within the thinking within the strategy and the deployment of that. Um, because I, I believe that that lean is the way you achieve your strategy, right? It's the, it's the way you might have your big goals out there. The way you're going to get to them is through lean, lean thinking and some lean processes and lean tools but the right ones at the right time, not just everybody's doing A3s because we now have a template and now we have a bunch of- Right, right. We're all gonna do A3s today, yeah. Don't have root cause analysis in them, right. So it, it's, it's about making sure you're putting the right tool in at the right time for the right reasons too. You know, so blending yeah. all of that thinking together. And, and I like what you said about, and you mentioned it earlier, uh, about if you think about it, taking a cut approach. Um, and I don't think, I don't know that everyone who listens to this knows about the the, the improvement cutter, but in the cutter approach, you're always updating your current condition, right? In the beginning, I mean, you always say grasp the current condition. Um, that means you don't necessarily understand every single thing about it. It's gonna change as you do your experiments, but it also changes because current conditions change. The world, the world changes. And you said that previously, it, it's, a, it's about, for you, it's about gaining more and more knowledge, relearning what the current condition is, not assuming that it's the same. Right. Yeah. It, it trying to keep your finger on the pulse with that. Right. And and 
challenging yourself to look for, you know, anytime there's little hiccups of anything, like diving deep into understanding why those hiccups exist and figuring out how can we work to overcome this so that we can still achieve our common vision together, right? Or at least the next target condition. Yeah. 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 And again, it's also that idea of a target condition, right? We're not going to we're not going to get there, whatever there is in a day or a week or a month or maybe even a year, but right. we can be on our, we can be on our way. Exactly. Exactly. And hopefully on our way is going in the right direction. Right. Yeah. And well, if it's not, you, you're going to find, hopefully you find that out quickly, right? Yeah. You took the, took the, took the road that has the bridge out where you, you know, you have to turn around and go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So You've had such an interesting career, very, um, you know, worked in different places, always with this theme of, of lean and lean thinking throughout it. But I wanted to know, what is your one piece of advice for a young person starting out? Yeah, I, uh, so I've always, I've just continued working hard and doing good work and serendipity is t- taking care of the rest. And I think for me, the one piece of advice is just, be better today than you were yesterday and drag someone with you, right? It, that, that's my one piece of advice. The, the whole world gets a little chaotic and a little crazy. That's okay. Block that out. Be better today than yesterday. And, and drag, I love that. Drag someone with you, right? Right, right. So, <laughs> right. Somebody else wants to be better too. It enhances the learning so much, right? Like when I throw a half-baked out idea out, and someone helps take that and we can think out loud together and shape it into something really better and better for both of us. It, anyway, it's more, much more fun <laughs> and hey. more bigger results too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody, nothing great in the world was achieved by one person. Nope. Very true. So Rebecca, how could people find you? Um, well, so they could go to my profile on LinkedIn, Rebecca Snelling slash LinkedIn.com. And, uh, or, and I also have RS Consulting is on LinkedIn, but there's a number of those. So I would just go through my profile. Um, and that's, that's how they can find me. And I, I live in Denver, Colorado, um, but I do a lot of work virtually and I do do some, um, some traveling. And if you're really keen on it in the two weeks from now, I believe, May 19th and 20th, I'll be in Chicago with the Lean Construction Institute and Bosch Refine My Site doing a lean roadshow um, and inviting, doing an introductory session on lean on the, in, in the construction world on day one and, um, and some deeper dive into some of the tools and systems within last, uh, the construction world on day two. And I'll be in Austin on June 15th and 16th for the same thing. So feel free to join. Wow, that, that that's great. So so I think this that will be uh, um, this podcast will go live right before the uh, Chicago event. So uh, maybe people can catch you there or catch you in Austin. What a great opportunity! Let me know that. Let me know that that's where you heard about it. I'd love to know that. Okay. All right. Great, Rebecca Snelling. Thank you so much for traveling with me to the edges of Lean. Thank you, Bella, so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. This is Bella Engelbach, and I'd like to thank Rebecca Snelling for being my guest on the Edges of Lean. How are you engaging with leadership? What has helped you get your leadership engaged? We'd love to hear from you. Find Rebecca 
on LinkedIn or at RS Consulting and start a conversation. Find me at leanforhumans.com or on LinkedIn or comment wherever you watch or listen. And tell a friend about the edges of lean. Please join me in exploring more of the edges of lean. There's a lot to learn. And check out my friends in the Lean Communicators community at leancommunicators.com. You'll find more podcasts and videos with lots of great new content every week. The Edges of Lean is written and produced by Bella Engelbach with support from Podcast Inc. This is a Lean for Humans production.